This is the Women Talking About Learning podcast. My name is Andrew Jacobs. Welcome. Hello everyone and welcome to this episode, the mentoring one of the Women Talking About Learning podcast. I'd also like to say Happy New Year to you um, and hope that 2021 might be a better year for all of us than perhaps 2020 was. The main purpose of Women Talking About Learning and the reason we set it up was to amplify women's voices. And I'm delighted to be able to present this episode that's really a true embodiment of, of what we plan for. Naturally, when you start something, you tend to engage with people you know and trust to help and support you. And I've known pretty much every guest on the podcast so far before the podcast has been recorded. What's different about this episode is that our two guests were unknown to each other and unknown to me before the podcast first spluttered into life in October last year. And it's a wonderful embodiment of the podcast that we can have two women's voices and amplified in a way which is how we how it was planned to be and i'm delighted to be able to welcome our two guests today our first guest is taruna goel taruna is a learning and performance consultant and competence development and assessment specialist at north pacific training and performance in vancouver in canada she's also a board director at the Immigrant Services Society of British Columbia. And you may recognise Taruna's voice because she was on the imposter syndrome episode that came out last time in December last year. Our second guest is Andrea Watts. Andrea is a, a UK specialist in coaching with collage, combining her knowledge as an artist, training in art therapy, clean language and mindfulness to capture the power of images to unlock unconscious thinking. Andrea is also an honorary lecturer at City University London on the MSc Organisational Psychology course, a guest lecturer at Kingston University Business School, and she also supports students from Kent and City University of London as well. This episode was recorded in early December 2020, before the UK lockdown and the further lockdown and the new infectious COVID was known about in the UK. This is Women Talking About Learning. This is Taruna and Andrea talking about mentoring. Hi Taruna. Hello Andrea, how are you? I'm good, thank you. I know because we're on different sides of the globe that it's morning for you, but it's evening here for me. Yes, and I hope you had a good day. Mine is starting and there was no better way for me to start than to have a conversation with you this morning. Ah, that's such a thing to say. I have to say, I have been looking forward to chatting with you. Um, today's been quite long, but I'm not overly keen on that word, but it has been productive. I've got things done I wanted to. So um, yeah, and then had this to round off my day. <laughs> That's always a good day in my dictionary if you get things done. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Love the tick. 
So Taruna, yeah. So, you know, we, we have um, spoken before and had a really enjoyable conversation about mentoring. And I guess that's what people are listening in for today. So I just wanted to start really by asking you what your experience of mentoring is. Yes. So um, I've been in the L&D industry for 20 years and I've uh, worked across continents and roles and industries. So my experience of mentoring has been both from a professional mentoring purpose, you know, for folks in L&D and HR. So formally as a part of organizational mentoring models, but a lot more informally as a part of my own professional network. And uh, something that I started engaging with uh, when I moved to Canada almost 10 years ago was actually doing voluntary community mentoring for folks who are new to Canada. So I've been a volunteer here in Canada for over nine years, um, mentoring um, immigrants and refugee families find their ways of living and being in Canada. So uh, that has been, you know, my, my mentoring experience. And, and the way I, you know, the, the way I think about mentoring is that it can be like for a reason, for a season or for a lifetime. So mm -hmm. I have been engaged with some mentees for so many years and I have had my mentors for so many years that it almost seems like a life, lifetime to me. You know, How about I, you? Well, I was just going to ask, as I was listening to you, when you talked about mentoring um, people who were new to Canada, when you talked about the, um, the immigrants, I, I wondered if many people would consider mentoring in that context. I think most people think of it in terms of work and they don't think of it outside, outside of that. So I, I just found that really interesting. Yes, I, 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 I agree with you. I think most people don't think about mentoring outside um, career growth and uh, personal mm -hmm. development. But I feel mentoring is any relationship where somebody who's more experienced puts time and energy into somebody who's less experienced. And the aspect of experience could be anything. It could be, you know, an approach or um, just life skills. Mm -hmm. So, and I guess because the focus of mentoring is more to develop the whole person. So, you know, the techniques are quite broad and, and and the process itself relies on experience and wisdom. Hmm. And having, you know, being an immigrant myself, I have gone through that journey. So um, I have access to some uh, tools and, and tips and traps that I can share with other people. Yeah, I, I would really agree with you. Your, your point about somebody with more experience um, mentoring someone else, I know that's not just related to age or anything but it's 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 the idea that someone has been there before really um exactly the, uh, the mentoring that i've been involved with has been informal okay um i i've been asked once to mentor women in in business um but it was at an, at an event so it wasn't continuous but the mentoring i've done has been with other women starting out in business Mm -hmm. And what I've done is really share my story. That, that's what I've done when, when they've said, well, I've experienced this. I've then just shared a part of my story and said, this was my experience. This is what helped me. It may help them, it may not. But I think there's something just about 
hearing that somebody's had that experience before and that they I say survived it it's more than that it's more yes. that somebody because <laughs> sometimes it can feel like a bit overwhelming and you might not survive survive in a metaphorical way but in, particularly in terms of your your business that so where is my business going to survive this am I going to be okay and my business has been around for a while now so I have that um longevity of, of eight eight years and so for a, a woman coming to business for the first one two three four even four four years been able to say actually yeah I've been there I've experienced it this this was my experience and storytelling is so powerful and compelling that I think it's a really good way to mentor people absolutely and Andrea I, I couldn't agree with you more and as a part of a volunteer mentor for immigrants and refugee families a lot of my work involves storytelling you know um and 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 to your point about um, you know, women in business. In general, I think women tend to doubt themselves more and back themselves less than men. And mm-hmm. and and um, we we often even wonder if we are ready to be a mentor. But but where I come from, I f- I feel that even if you think you haven't made it yet, or mm-hmm. or you think you mm-hmm. lack the expertise, you know, that might benefit somebody, you're still a long way ahead of many others who just starting out. Mm. So as an immigrant, for example, I've been here for over nine years. So um, I have a journey, you know, that I can talk about and and storytelling is is a great way to do that. So in in your work, I I know you do a lot of work with art and collaging and using mentoring skills in your work. So tell us something about that. I'm so fascinated by it. Yeah, I think I think with that, in terms of the the mentoring and mentoring almost through through collage, because I'm I'm a coach, but there is that uh, interplay really between coaching and mentoring. I actually recently mm-hmm. attended a webinar and we were and they were talking about, you know, the the lines between, or the blur was the phrase he used, and I thought it was so good between coaching, mentoring, teaching, facilitating. Yes. And because of the way that I that I work, because it tends to be less about very specific goal setting and more about transformation, more about behaviours and mindsets, the mentoring's mm-hmm. really um, powerful there because in a way, one client, I almost help clients mentor themselves through, through, through the imagery that they gather. You know, what, yes. what is this saying to you? you? You talked earlier about wisdom and it's their own wisdom com- coming through. Um, so, so, yeah, and I'd never actually thought about that before till you just said, but in a way people do mentor them, themselves. But the role that I take in that is, is the facilitation or is that coaching? And mm-hmm. asking those questions to help people find um, their own answers, that self-directed learning. And I think that's where the men- mentoring definitely overlaps. Because I know when we spoke last time, we spoke about um, the importance of it being self-directed, that the role of the mentor isn't to say, this is how you do it, but to say, yes. this is my experience. Maybe what can you glean from this? And asking those questions and helping people to reflect and, and find their way. And so the coaching through college definitely does that because the initial step is all about the client. It's all about them drawing out and then, yeah, me asking those questions. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, um, the way you describe mentoring in the context of your work and the way I have been experiencing mentoring, the one thing that I want to say is that it may look like, um, you know, it, it may look different to different people, mm -hmm. but essentially it's a, it's a learning relationship. And um, what I love to do is talk about metaphors that actually describe mentoring or the process of mentoring. And, and to me, it, you know, a word like a journey um, in the sense that I don't want to lead the mentee's journey as a mentor, mm -hmm. I just be a part of it. Absolutely. Or, you know, something like movement of water. So there is some ebb and flow, there is an exchange of ideas, there's an exchange of energy and, and learning. Mm. And, uh, so, so those are some of my metaphors for, for mentoring. And um, how, how, how do you look at mentoring? So now I know you work with images a lot. So if you had to pick a metaphor for mentoring, what would that be? Gosh, you've put me on the spot there on the, <laughs> <laughs> think of one immediately. I have words and an image for mentoring. Actually, I, I do have, I actually do have one because I had prepared something to post on LinkedIn tomorrow and the image I used was actually an older woman um, sitting on the bank of a river with a younger girl. And yes. she's, um, they're both holding a fishing rod. Okay. And my question is who's doing the mentoring? Because they can both be teaching each other. And it's that, that it is that exchange. And for me, the word I love is co-creating. Um, probably because when I do the collaging, people are creating and I co-create alongside with them. Um, when I lecture at City, again, I just shared how when you teach, you learn. And that's yes. what mentoring is, isn't it? It's that exchange you give, you give to me and I, and I give to you. And it's cyclical. It's absolutely cyclical. Um, so yeah, maybe I should say a circle. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. I, uh, you know, like uh, I also feel that this whole cyclical part of it, the fact that it's an exchange, that there's learning on both the sides. For me, I, I feel like I'm a sum of all the people that I've mentored mm. because I have received much more than I have given. And um and, and, and one of the things I remember we, we talked about was like, you know, how, how would you define what it means to be a mentor? Mm. So for me, it, it means uh, it's a way of life. And um, one of the characters from Star Wars that I always go back to, Yoda, you know, he famously said, pass on what you have learned. So, so mm. that's what being a mentor means to me. Um, and what about you? You know, what, what does it mean to you to be a mentor? Taruna, I think for me, being a mentor, again, it, it's those, those words, because my first thought is that I'm a coach. But when I think about myself in the context of being a mentor, and I think about the fact that I have been and am being mentored, it is really about relationship. Mm. Um, first, firstly, um, connections are really, really important to me really important I know it's my core value and so relationships as a form as just mentoring is a form of relationship mm -hmm. and it's that opportunity isn't it I think to to share to give of yourself it and it's not completely altruistic because you said 
absolutely get back you know you absolutely get something back and when the women who I have mentored informally have said how it's helped them or they've messaged me afterwards and and thanked me I mean because I, I mentor some people in in respect of the collaging so people have done the training and then want to use it I've done some mentoring with those women so it's very specific to the art and for, and that I absolutely love because I know then that they feel more confident to be able to go out and use the tool use the method yes. with other people so for me that kind of mentoring is just oh it's I don't even know if I've got the word I need an image but it it means a lot to me it fills me it energizes me just to be able to help people feel more confident absolutely to because it, it's isn't it like it's a real opportunity to make a difference yeah. you know when, when you empower somebody and uh, they benefit from um, achieving positive outcomes you feel you you've done something you've made a difference and in in my work with immigrants and refugees I see their social and economic progress in front of my eyes like it all unravels their story mm -hmm. is is developing in front of me and of course, you get to meet a lot of interesting people. And, mm. and uh, as you recognize the challenges that are faced by others, I find that I become more grateful for what I have already, you know? Yeah. So um, that, that's, that's something that, you know, that are rewarding things, the rewards of mentoring for me. Yeah. yeah. But you also I've talked been... about how you look at yourself as a coach and, um, and how I was asking you a question about mentoring, because a lot of your work uses the skills and techniques of mentoring. So, so let's talk about, uh, you know, these labels that we use and, and how coaching and mentoring can be similar and different. And, and what are some of the overlaps between coaching and mentoring? Yeah, so um, I guess the, the question is, yeah, if we've, if, I think about focusing on the overlaps because a lot of people consider coaching and, and I guess coaching defines itself predominantly as goal orientated. So mm -hmm. traditionally short, short term, you go in, you have specific, um, if you think about sports coaching, if you think about business coaching, that's what it's about. There are definite, this is an area yes. need to develop and therefore um mentoring is considered more longer term and mm -hmm. not necessarily goal orientated you said it's about sharing experiences isn't it and helping people to grow you grow you use the term holistic yes yeah but i would say that i feel there is a change and a shift in coaching mm -hmm. and maybe it's because of this type of coaching i do so then i'm around or talking to other people who are interested in the style of coaching that is less about specific goals clients may as a result of doing their collage or using any other arts-based method they may um they may a goal may arise out of the work but very few actually come with something very specific and maybe i feel stuck I'm going through a transition, um, mm -hmm. I'm thinking about changing career. And then as a result of that, what happens is the unconscious will guide them to the, these are the areas 
that where you're stuck these are the areas that your strengths these are the areas where your mindset could do with a shift but it all comes from the um client so i so i think there may be for me anyway at least more of an overlap there with mentoring as something that's holistic and also yes. ongoing mm. ongoing not the not that i expect to work with a client for years and years but i don't know that mentoring necessarily has to be like that either i think people may have mentors for different reasons they may have more than one mentor so absolutely yeah yeah true and and i i think you know some of the words that we have used as we've been talking about mentoring they are quite indicative of when what mentoring is so for me there's a relationship focus on mentoring there's personal development and the more holistic perspective, whereas coaching is more task focused, I, I guess, mm-hmm. and, and focusing on skill development. So in that sense, it's much more narrower. Mm-hmm. And we also both of us spoke about the use of self-directed um, learning. And, and I feel that in mentoring, I, um, I do put a lot of emphasis on mentees being self-directed and taking responsibility Whereas if I'm playing the role of a coach, I tend to take more responsibility as a coach for that training or for the skill development. Um, and, uh, and I think timeline is, is flexible. So mentoring can be lifelong, but it can also be short term and long term. Usually coaching I find is more short term mm. because uh, once the goal is achieved, then you move on to the next goal, so to speak. Yeah, and I, I would agree agree with that. I said I would never expect to work with a client for years and years, or even months and months. And that doesn't happen. That's not my experience. My experience is that people come, they use the collage, they use it as a self mentoring, yes. and I mentor them through it and coach them because the skills will, they're fluid. So depending on what the client presents with, what the client needs. And I think that's probably at the crux of it, what what they need. They may need my facilitation skills. They may need my coaching skills or the mentoring. And I don't differentiate as I'm doing it. I'm just responding to the client. And I'm sure when you mentor that it must be the same, that you're you're using different skill sets, but there's this interplay and they just flow one to the other without you thinking oh now I'm mentoring oh now I'm coaching or now I'm well uh, that's an yes. assumption I guess but maybe maybe you do or maybe other people do have that delineation you know I I think that what you just mentioned is quite right at the many times as a mentor we have to use coaching skills to get across and at many times as a coach we need to use mentoring skills so there is definitely, um, I think of mentoring and, and coaching and training and all these things as another tool in the toolkit of mm-hmm. self-development, professional development and growth. So depending on the situation and the objectives, we may use one or the other or both. Um, so in, in terms of the mentoring relationships that I have, there are definitely certain, there is a process to it. So it has certain phases and uh, we usually, so I I would meet my mentees, there'll be an initial meeting, we will get to know each other, you know, find common ground and develop some kind of a trust. And uh, then we would set the direction Mm -hmm. of the relationship. And a lot of that is around 
expectation management you know what are mm. our expectations so what what do i expect from my mentee mm. and what do they expect from me there are also elements of commitments and and learning contracts and after that you know once these two phases are more or less done and we we then start focusing on building the actual relationship which is a lot of listening and questioning and conversations and and that phase can go as long as the mentee needs it to go mm. and sometimes so in my work with immigrants usually the relationship is planned for like 3 to 5 months and depending on how equipped the mentee feels um but at the end of it all we we finally look at some bit of closure so there's a reflection there's review there's feedback so so there is some 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 level of structure to this whole mentoring relationship but it's a lot more fluid yeah too yeah. very um similar you you have to have a coaching contract and etc all the things you said about building relationship building trust are the same but talking about that what do you think um what do you think the people you work with the mentees what would what would they expect from a mentoring relationship hmm i think the mentees definitely enroll in a mentoring relationship for self learning and for personal growth and um you know they they want to they are obviously facing some kind of challenge whether it's a transition in their career or uh, or maybe a, a life challenge that they want to seek advice on so a mentor is um i i guess it's a sounding board or a mirror of sorts mm-hmm. for them mm-hmm. and um, i mean the 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 word mentor actually originates from ancient greek and it it means um mind or strength okay but it has actually evolved now to become more of a trusted adv- advisor and a wise mm-hmm. counsel that's okay. how i look at myself as a okay. mentor but one thing that i have found what makes mentoring relationships successful is that a lot rides on the mentee and the more open they are to give and invest in the relationship the more they are able to receive and both of us you know we've talked about how it's a two way street and how there's a lot of self directed learning but there's an expectation to also stay committed you know and be a re- be realistic so take the time of the mentor but don't take more than what you need do you um remember when i said to you when i found my mentor who's yeah she she's a woman she's um more experienced than me she's a coach yes but i've been looking for a mentor and i remember saying that i found it difficult to begin with because i looked online what to expect from mentor how to go about finding a mentor and actually it was all quite um challenge i found it challenging because there was conflicting information mm. and also it was presented in quite a dry how i'm going to say this quite a dry fashion um probably cuz i didn't find you taruna and your information <laughs> but but the truth is i just found it confusing and and there's pages and pages anyway um and then 
I went to an event and she was there and she was talking and I knew, I knew she was supposed to be my mentor and I just went up to her afterwards and I asked her if she would be and she said yes, so that was a result. Um, and you said to me that when the mentee is ready, the mentor will come. Yes. Um, but in but in that vein, I mean, I've I, I just think I was so blessed to find her in that way. But I'm very kind of like trusting that it will come if I if I um, believe for that. So and I looked, you know, I did do some some background work and, and things. So. But do you think it's harder for women to find a mentor? Do we look for these programs? Do we? Do we because I know there's lots of mentoring programs, you know, do, does it have to be paid for? How, how, how do you go about finding one? I don't know that many people would have my experience. Mm, I, I, I think it's, um, I, I do feel that women, you know, find it more challenging to, to find mentors. And it's not easy to walk up to someone and just ask, will you be my mentor? Mm. Having said that, I think it's important to, to remain open to the idea that there are potential mentors all around us all the time. Mm. So also, I think one of the challenges that, that I have seen and observed, and which actually ends up becoming a big bottleneck in finding a mentor, is that most people believe that they need their mentor to be the one, you know, wow. I need this one person who's mm. gonna help me solve all the challenges that I'm facing. But what I do is I actually encourage people to identify and select their men mentors based on their needs and goals. Mm -hmm. And even, even some of the characteristics that they may admire in them. So you, you want to find people who you can relate to, connect with, and, and can trust. Not that person doesn't have to be a guru or a rock star at what they mm -hmm. do, you know. And um, so I, I think it, even though it is challenging, there, there are ways to find mentors. My, my one suggestion is look for people outside of your organization, um, either informal or informal professional groups and associations. For example, I found a way to mentor in my community and social settings um, as, as a volunteer mentor. So if you find actually people in these associations or organizations, you and your probable mentor already has something in common. You're a part of the same group. So you, you have that foundational background commonality. Um, another place, a good place to look at is Twitter and, and LinkedIn. And you can look for people that can guide you and people who can inspire you. And uh, don't be afraid to even look uh, within your family. I, I think we <laughs> undervalue and underrate the skills and competencies that we may have in our own immediate as well as extended family. Um, the only challenge is that when you have somebody from your family who is your mentor, you have to create a more structured process mm. to interact with them. Yes, imagine the kind of like the boundaries. That yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And yeah. one of the. Sorry. Go ahead, Andrea. Sorry. Um, did you have another point you wanted to? Share? I just wanted to highlight the uh, aspect of reverse mentoring. That's another thing. So. Um, we usually tend to look at formal mentoring, peer mentoring, or look at experts who, who should mentor us. But I would encourage people to also look at reverse mentoring. So consider a mentor who is younger than you. 
And I, I'm sure we've all been a mentor for our parents or grandparents who are you know, keen to jump on the social media bandwagon, but don't know where to start. Just this morning, I was helping my father you know, troubleshoot something related to WhatsApp technology. So <laughs> it, it's important to consider a, a, a mentor who's younger than you. It's not about your age, it's about your experience with that particular aspect. And do you think that, um, do you think that role models can be mentors as well? Hmm. I think somebody I, I, you don't actually know, but, but you just watch them and you learn from them without necessarily actually engaging with them. You know, Andrea, that's such a good question. And, um, and I, I call it observational mentoring. I don't know what it's called, if there's any formal term for, for this, but I have an interesting story from um, an Indian epic. Okay. Could I interest you in that story? Yes, I love stories. <laughs> okay, well, um, so this story is from the Indian epic called the Mahabharata and I'm sharing a, an abridged version. Okay. So Eklavya was the son of a hunter and he wanted to learn archery. So he went to this guru called Guru Dronacharya, who was a master of you know, advanced military arts. And he requested the guru to teach him archery. But in those days, as a rule, uh, a teacher to the members of the royal family was not allowed to teach anybody else. And Dronacharya was actually a teacher to the royal family and he was teaching the prince Arjuna. So it was forbidden, of course, for Dronacharya to make anyone as powerful as Arjuna for mm. the safety of the kingdom and, and the king. So Dronacharya refused Eklavya and said, I'm sorry, I cannot be your uh, guru. And um, so Eklavya was kind of sad and uh, depressed and he said, okay, well, what can I do? So he went home and he made a statue of his guru with clay. And over the years with the, you know, sincerity and practice, he learned archery and became quite good at it. And once the prince who was um, Arjuna, he found out about uh, Eklavya and he said, who taught you um, archery? And Eklavya said, Guru Dronacharya. So Arjuna, the king was pretty angry with Dronacharya and said, you, are, you cheated me. You're supposed to be only teaching me exclusively mm -hmm. from the royal family. But look at what Eklavya has done. He seems more skillful than me. So Dronacharya was, you know, he was kind of baffled. He was confused. And he said, I don't even know who this student is and who has learned the art from me, but I don't even know his name. And so Dronacharya went to meet Eklavya and asked him, how did he learn, you know, such skillful archery? And Eklavya then walked them to the statue that he had made of his guru. And he said that I have practiced archery all um, over these years, considering and believing that this statue is my guru and my mentor. So I guess there is something to be said about, you know, having a role mentor model as your mentor mm -hmm. and, and use observational mentoring to develop oneself. Of course, you don't have the opportunity for enriching conversations, mm -hmm. but it's possible to observe the career trajectory of other people observe uh, how they are dealing with challenges. A lot of mm. experts and role models tend to, you know, write blog posts yeah. and share their experiences. So I, I would encourage that definitely. Okay. 
Thank you. And I think your your point about them sharing, I've noticed a lot of people very honest about their journeys. They're very honest with their storytelling. And so we can see the challenges they overcome. And for me, mentoring is, that's probably a key part of it is helping people to understand that they can overcome challenges. Um, because we have already, and therefore we think, look, this is, <laughs> you can do this, look, you can do this. Um, so it's that, yeah, that support, I think mentoring is really important for that. Um, but there was something you said, I think we, we both wanted from this conversation for those who are listening to, to leave really believing that they can be either a mentee or a mentor or both. So I, I hope when people listen to this, they will, they will have that, that belief that no matter what their experience, there will always be somebody who they can mentor informally or, or formally or and someone they can learn from. Yes, I, I think it's so important. I, I think it's important to highlight that don't get trapped into labels or what you're mm -hmm. called. As long as you are learning and you are helping others learn, mm -hmm. you know, that's that's enough. And uh, and if if you're feeling uh, that you know you're not ready the one statement that always gets me going is life begins at the end of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So this new year, we should all do something a little bit more uncomfortable. And uh, the best time to be a mentor or a mentee is, is now because uh, it's, it's beneficial regardless of age or stage. Absolutely. Absolutely. True. And I've really enjoyed chatting with you again. Um, learned new things from you myself <laughs> maybe we've done a little bit of mentoring right now but yeah so thank you very much and thank, oh, thank you Andrea this was a wonderful conversation and like you I feel that there was uh, such a wonderful exchange of uh, you know experiences and also valuable insights from our own lives so thank you for talking to me today you're welcome have a really good day you as well I'm off to have dinner <laughs> <laughs> I'm off to a lot more meetings. <laughs> so take care. Take care. Okay, bye. Take care. Bye bye. When we record women talking about learning, I have a clock and a timer. I use that to track where you know the guests might want to make an edit or something like that. When we were recording this episode, I forgot about the timer. Taruna and Andrea just held my attention. Um and this conversation could have gone on for absolutely ages. Afterwards, both Runa and Andrea commented that the pauses, uh, the moments of space, um, those moments of reflection, uh, where you get to think, can be the most powerful elements in a session. After the imposter syndrome episode, which we did last time, the approach that Taruna and Andrea showed is both timely and entirely relevant. I was so pleased to be able to ask them to join the podcast, Recording Family, and I hope you'll agree this was a, a really valuable discussion. Taruna can be found on LinkedIn and has written a, a really super blog about the differences between coaching and mentoring, and you can find that on LinkedIn, and the details will be in the show notes, along with a link to her LinkedIn profile. Andrea? can also be found on LinkedIn and again in the show notes you'll find a link to there 
and also to her website, ungluu.co.uk. We mentioned last time how we're supported by donations, and I want to thank every single person who has chucked us a quid or so to keep women talking about learning running. Um, You're all heroes. We have some great episodes coming up in the next few weeks, but we're always looking for more speakers for the podcast. If you have a topic you want to cover, please let us know, and we'll put the wheels in motion to record you. Also giving you warning, we're planning to deliver a live podcast at February's online Festival of Learning Technologies, and we'd be really keen to hear from people who would like to be guests on that session. We've started some preliminary planning about what that might be, and if you're interested, get in touch, either via the website, womentalkingaboutlearning.com, or via email to hello at lan.com. That's hello at lan, L-L-A-R-N.com. As I say every time, remember to like and subscribe to Women Talking About Learning. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you again soon. You have been listening to the Women Talking About Learning podcast. Women Talking About Learning is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon Music and Alexa, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, or your favourite podcast app. You can get in touch with Women Talking About Learning via email, on Twitter at WTAL underscore podcast, or via our website, womentalkingaboutlearning.com. Make sure you tune in next time for more women talking about learning. For more of The Signal, none of the noise.